0: Well, greetings. Thank you for listening to the Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Tom Santilli, uh, the national film critic for Access.com. I also appear on Fox 2 every Friday in Detroit, critically speaking. It's a big week at the movies this week. Uh, coming up this weekend, we have um, big releases. Uh, the first, you know, of course, from Christopher Nolan, uh, the highly uh, anticipated and uh, based on early reviews, it uh, looks to be one of the first uh, Oscar contenders of of the year. It's uh, Dunkirk. That movie comes out Friday, as does a uh, huge sci-fi, uh, huge budget, I should say, sci-fi film, uh, Valerian, The City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, those two movies hit theaters this week, and uh, we're going to talk about those in a little bit, uh, but yeah, this week on the podcast, um, my guest is going to be... Uh, fellow movie critic, uh, Kirk Baird of the Toledo Blade. He's a film critic for the Blade. Uh, he's also a member of the Detroit Film Critics Society. And uh, he's going to join me because uh, Kirk is a huge, uh, I, I think you wouldn't mind me saying this, but a huge, uh, you know, comic book and sci-fi geek and nerd uh, such as myself. Uh, huge Star Wars guy. And, uh, we're going to talk about some comic book stuff. Um, I wanted to do a podcast about comic books with all the recent success with Wonder Woman and Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, but last week I ended up uh, trying to do a podcast, as we did, with uh, with my wife. My wife Danielle and I talked about The Big Sick, which was a, just a great romantic comedy. I still haven't really gotten it out of my head. If you haven't heard that podcast, uh, make sure you check out uh, the last episode of Film Survivor Podcast where I... Uh, chatted with Danielle about romantic comedies, and uh, The Big Sick, of course. So, yeah, so me and Kirk are going to get into it. We're going to talk about uh, comic books. We're going to talk about the current state of the comic book movie, uh, what the future holds, uh, what we thought, maybe uh, some thoughts on some of the recent uh, comic book movies from this year, such as Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman, Logan, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Uh, and yeah, we're just going to go all through that. And uh, we'll end with a uh, discussion of the new film sit-in theaters this weekend, Dunkirk again in Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets. So uh, let's get into the, my interview with Kirk Baird of the Toledo Blade. So Kirk Baird, I am happy to talk to you, man. What's happening?
1: Oh, not much. Not much. Just uh, chilling in my uh, my basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're kind of my my makeshift office and just kind of hanging out and excited to talk about movies and superheroes and summer, summer fun at the cinema.
0: Well, Kirk, I wanted to have you on. I wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, you know, because I've been wanting for a while to do like a comic book slash just kind of like a total like nerd out kind of a <laughs> kind of an episode. And I know that you are. Cool. I, I, I would never call you a nerd, of course, but I know that you have an, uh, an affinity for these kind of films. And and I know you're a huge Star Wars guy. Is that right? And when I say huge, I mean there are yeah, oh yeah, not huge. too many bigger.
1: Uh, well, and, and we're well. Hopefully, we're not talking about weight. Although, yes, I <laughs> yeah, I too, yeah, I should
0: clarify.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's okay. No, I, I prefer like dork. Like I have <laughs> right. always considered like there's like a, a hierarchy and a nerd hierarchy. Dork is at the top. <laughs> Somebody like me who's fully functional can can operate in the world, and you wouldn't you know other than like a Star Wars T-shirt or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't know. But then there's the <laughs> there's the uh, geek who's a little bit more, a little less functional, a little more socially inept and then you've got your nerd who's just yeah you know can't function at all and <laughs> and that but yeah no i'm absolutely a, a dork when it comes to like star wars and uh all manner of things uh video games classic Were video you, games and movies and things like did that you collect?
0: are you a comic book collector like did you do that or are you just like more into the the movies when it comes to comic books
1: definitely movies i, I you know it's fun. i had a a tra- kind of a tragic experience with um With comic books and comic book collecting years ago Uh, when I was a kid, like actually decades ago, I should say, I I had like just some random comic books. I don't remember what they were. And uh, so uh, like a friend of my parents, their son was over. He was roughly my age and he was a comic book. He was a comic book nerd. I'm just going to call it
2: like
1: a comic book nerd. And so he's like, hey, you know, I guess he kind of coveted one of the comic books I had, which was weird. And so he said, hey, why don't I I'll trade you. Uh, all these comics I have for for this one you have. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's fine. So I made the trade, and then he promptly told me, you shouldn't have made that trade. Let me tell you why, because that comic book you just gave me is such and such, and it's worth more money than those comic books I gave you. And I thought, you know screw you. (laughs) And that was, was, I mean, seriously, that was kind of it. I was like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with comics. I don't want anything to do with your world. You know, to hell with you. That's rough. Get out of here, you comic book nerd.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they could have just at least robbed you and then not told you about it, you know, but to to like rub it in your face right in that in that moment is kind of uh not eh, not cool, man.
1: No, no. And, and so that
0: that was kind of like but I, I always loved the Fantastic 4
1: and the Incredible Hulk. Those were my two fa- and still are my are my favorites.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Well, we're going to get into all this cuz I want to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about some individual movies, uh, you know, comic books, but I I kind of want to talk about, you know, the whole the whole thing itself, you know, like, really, comic book movies have been around for quite a while, of course, as, as everybody knows, but really with the the whole beginning of, like, the, the Marvel universe as we know it today, like, with Iron Man pretty much, you know, started all of that, uh, it's really kind of turned into this huge other thing. It's really changed cinema uh, in a lot of ways, and, there, you know, a lot of these other studios are kind of trying to follow suit with, you know, kind of these interchangeable universes and... Uh, movies that are related to one another and uh, that sort of thing. So I kind of want to get into that. I want to talk about the future. Or, you know where you think this might all lead uh, and, and stuff like that. But um, I guess before we get into all that, though, tell people about you. Uh, what's who? <laughs> who are you, Kirk? Where did you come from? <laughs> what What do you do for a living? Who do you write for? How did you get into this whole thing? I I like to ask when I when I talk to other critics on on this. I like to ask them kind of how they got into it because you know a lot of people. Uh, ask me kind of, you know, you know, how do you become a film critic? Or they think that it's, you know, this glamorous thing. Uh, so what's your story, man? Um, well,
1: I was, uh, I was born in Dallas and I, um, just growing up, I, I always read like that. We had two newspapers, Dallas Times, Cheryl, which is went out of business in the early nineties uh, and the Dallas morning news. And I grew up reading um, the entertainment sections and, uh, I just, I loved the TV critic and, or critics and the film critics. And I just, you know, i would get so excited to read the reviews, especially for the films that I was excited to see. And, you know, I remember, you know, I just, I was breathless with anticipation of, for their review of Empire Strikes Back. Did they like it? Did they like it? And <laughs> finally I read it and they loved it. And I was like, yes, it was, um <laughs> it, and it just kind of made me feel, and so I I grew up like that and, and reading that and I was, uh, I just felt a part of that world and I, my dad was a huge or is a huge sci-fi fan and uh, so I was uh, you know around all these old classic movies and things like that so that's kind of you know just watching all that and of course you know when you know VCR and especially in the 80s with blockbuster you know he finally had access to all these films and so I would just watch all these movies and I just kind of was self-educated I wrote uh, I bought a bunch of screenplay books and, and wrote a screenplay in college just by hand I actually wrote it out on oh, hand and yeah. Uh, um, just stuff like that, and that's, um, and I just kind of grew to appreciate. It. Took a lot of film classes in college, and but I, I wanted to be a journalist, but I wanted to write, uh, you know, about entertainment and, and those kinds of things. And eventually, you know, it's only one of these things you, you almost never really start out doing what you want to do. You just have to keep working your way through it, and finally, you know, going to enough papers and doing enough things, I had this opportunity at the Toledo Blade to uh, take over as their film critic. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, nine years ago. Okay. And uh, i have just, you know, I love it. And it's, it is. It, most of the time, it's the greatest job in the world. There are those times when you, you absolutely hate it. <laughs> but, um, and and I don't just do films. I do, I'm like the pop culture editor. So I get a little bit. Of, I get to do a little bit of
0: everything. Okay. Cool. So when
1: I get tired of the movie, especially at the end of the summer, I move on to other other things. So.
0: So what does what is film criticism? Um... What role does it play for you? It's, I mean, it, really, you're kind of a guide, I think, to,
1: for readers. I, I really, truly believe readers develop a relationship uh, with film critics and just, like, columnists in general, and, um, they, and and especially, but, like, with critics, they know, like, you know, I always agree with this critic or I never agree with this critic. Um, and so, but they, they do form a bond, whether it's love or hate, if there's something there and they respond accordingly. um. And I think my, my role and I think the role of film criticism is, you know, look, film is an art, but it's not always artistic. Sure. And I think you have to kind of look at it and then kind of explore the boundary and say, you know, yeah, this is great. And here's why and champion those films that are great. And then also kind of steer people and say, you know, th- this isn't very good. Don't go see it. Or this is a film you've never heard of. You've got to see it. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you're just telling your friend, like, you got to see this movie. Go see this movie. Fantastic. <laughs> or Don't go see this. Save your money. You know, that kind of thing.
0: I I love uh, the the whole part of it that I like is that whole, you know, the the angle of being able to discuss a film with somebody. You know, like for as as personal of an experience as a movie is, I still think that's why the movie theater works, you know, is because it's like a communal thing. You all go and you're experiencing it at the same time, even though you're kind of taking it in uh, differently, you know, each person, but hearing from other people and why they didn't like something or why they liked something and comparing that to what I thought is just kind of fascinating to me. You know, it's like the human condition kind of a thing.
1: Absolutely. You you can't see me, but I'm nodding, especially when you with the whole communal experience. I've I've had that same conversation with people about why do I want to go to a movie? It's so expensive. It's crowded. People are texting, but it's like, you don't get it. That's, it's, you're watching a film, you're experiencing something with other people, strangers,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there's something magic about it, especially like opening night. Well, I'll pick on Star Wars. It's opening <laughs> night for a Star Wars film. You're in there with a bunch of Star Wars nerds, um, myself included, <laughs> and there's nothing like that experience or yeah. a, a suspense film or whatever it is. It just, you know, you're your experience, it's like live theater in, in a sense, a mm-hmm. different kind of theater, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else like it. And Yes, home theaters are fantastic. We love them. They're gotten so much better, but there's still nothing that replaces that experience.
0: So that leads us back into the discussion of comic books, because you know the comic book movie is really the kind of movie that most people uh, seem to want to experience, mostly at the theater uh, first. You know, because of just how grand they are, and you know the, the effects and all the things are. You know, seeing it on the big screen, uh, it's the kind of movie that you want to see in in the multiplex. So. Let's qualify you, though, to people that are listening here, um, so they can kind of decide if they want to, you know, be on board with (laughs) some of the things you say or not. But uh, give me some, give me some of your favorite. What are some of your favorite comic book movies that have that 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 have uh, come out to this point?
1: But my favorite is still the the first comic book film I really saw, which was Superman in 1978. Richard Donner's absolutely Superman. To to me. It, there was so there's such a because I'm an optimistic person mm-hmm. and which is kind of weird to be a critic but <laughs> um but I but I you know I identified with that I looked at that and you know that that speech Marlon Brando gives about you know to Superman you know they're good people kal yeah. you know they just you know they just need someone to lead them there and uh and I just thought that's so what a wonderful message it's so true and uh and I just love the film and and just that that sense of joy and an optimism for the future and um, and and it's interesting because they didn't that kind of lasted. It was almost sort of like you know that was part of the skin the seventies, and then you get to the eighties, and not to get too political, but mm-hmm. you know all these things happened. Things were changing. There was um, and the mood was changing. And by the end of the eighties, we had comic books that were dark. We had you know the Dark Knight. Yep. We had the Watchman, and then we had the Tim Burton Batman, which was you know very dark, brooding character. And suddenly now that optimism was gone, and we've never regained it. Um, you could make an argument, that, um, like the, uh, the T- Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sam Raimi's. that there was, there was some fun and joy to it. Um, but even still, there was a little bit of darkness to it and we've never really got back to, and I don't think we ever will back to those kind of fun days. And I love all those. I love the Spider-Man, the, the, the first two Spider-Men, yeah, uh, that Sam Raimi directed. I love the, the first, the Tim Burton Batmans, um. I love the uh, the X Men series. Uh, Well, most of them that Brian Singer did. Not the last one. I hated the last one. At some point, it's like I just want them to be fun again, and that's why, you know, I loved like Wonder Woman because it was light. I loved the new Spider Man because it was light. You didn't have this the superhero or the supervillain who was out to destroy the earth or the universe or take it over. It's just, you know, somebody who's just you know in Spider Man, uh, he's just somebody who's just trying to make his way. You know, and a little corrupt, but he's not a super bad guy you know yeah and that's what i really liked about
0: it it goes back to you know yeah like with michael keaton's character you're talking about uh in in the spider-man homecoming film um it it did kind of have reminiscent of the kind of character that uh gene hackman was as lex Luthor, where he's not necessarily evil as he is kind of motivated by other things do you know what i mean like he's kind of like a, Mm -hmm. a shyster kind of a guy but he's Obviously got some evil tendencies, but it's not like uh, the mad scientist, you know, twirling his mustache, uh, you know, trying to take over the world or or kill everybody.
1: No, and, and yeah, and that's a great example. I mean, you know, Gene Hackman, the Lex Luthor, you know, it, it's, as Miss Tesbock had said, or Test had said, you know, it's land, land, land. That's what it was. It was about him just being rich. He didn't right. want to be powerful. Or right. He just wanted to be wealthy, you know, and that's, it I missed that. I missed it, and that's why I think a problem with the comic book movies now is they're they're too formulaic. There's they're too, you know, much of the, you know, we have the hero who he has a problem, suddenly we find it, he finds a new supervillain. We're gonna you know, learn about the new supervillain. They face off, he loses the first battle, has to, you know, fight through some other things that are going on in his life and then they have the big confrontation at the end. He offers to save the supervillain, but the supervillain says no, and then <laughs> supervillain is usually killed. <laughs> you know? All right. But so. that's
0: interesting what you said there because, like, the movies have kind of changed it because, you know, you had this kind of glut of – there was always also this premise, too, that every superhero movie, you had to kind of get through the first one because the first one was always the origin story, Right. Like, you know, yeah. Spider-Man, uh, the Toby uh, Maguire version, you know, we have to go through the whole getting bit by a radioactive spider thing and, you know, going through the whole story. Whereas you've, you've kind of... Uh, th- these movies have now, um, you know, adapted and, and morphed to a smarter audience maybe or people that have been, you know, who are... All, ba- they already know that the audience is familiar with the character's background. So this... Uh, even though this is a relaunch of the character... Uh, they kind of just brush over that they mention. I think there's like a one line off, you know, off the cuff comment about a radioactive spider that he has with his friend. But they don't go through showing all of that because they kind of just, you know, hey, the audience already gets who this character is.
1: Definitely. And I think some of that is is uh, ego on the part of the director. Okay. Because it's sort of like they, they want to put their own stamp on, on the series.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and even though they may be telling the same story, it's like, oh, but... You don't understand. It's different this time. I'm—he's two years younger, and you know, instead of in—you know, instead of in college, now he's a, a junior in high school or whatever it is. And does it really make that much of a difference? Right. You no, know, different actor and stuff. But you're telling the same story, and that's again, that was so refreshing about Spider-Man: Homecoming. Is you know, we we know this. Everybody knows how he's Spider-Man. Let's just move beyond that, and it it opens up things. It, yeah, it's not so formulaic, and it and and it's a lot more fun,
0: I think. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you thought then of you know this was a couple years back of course but you know being a huge fan of uh, of Superman that movie was very uh, you know indicative of what the comic book was the comic book Superman is very optimistic and he's you know he's this shining example and role model and and that sort of thing so what were your thoughts with um, the whole relaunch of, of of Superman with like man you know Man of Steel and and this this dark Super duper dark, you know, brooding version of, of of this optimistic character.
1: Uh, you know, there were some. You know, I thought the whole Krypton thing was a disaster. Um, <laughs> and this idea that he's carrying all of the Krypton inside of him, and uh, I you know, I don't want a dark Superman. I don't want a brooding Superman. That's why you have Batman, yep. and and that's you you need that juxtaposition between the characters. You need the light and the dark. That's the whole point is that, well, you know, one can do what the other one can't. Um, and, I mean, there were some – I liked some of the ideas about, you know, him struggling as a child and, you know, hearing things. And I was like, that's that's a really interesting concept. I hadn't thought about it in those terms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, you know, it just – to me, I, you know, Superman is supposed to be like – he's supposed to be fun. And, yeah, you get into the problem – the inherent problem of Superman essentially is a – is a god i mean he's almost indestructible Mm -hmm. well and that sort of you know that presents some problems at least in terms of of movie making because you know how do you deal with a guy how do you challenge him on all this but um you know i I don't want a dark superman and i think that was a real that's a real problem with batman versus superman it was the same problem with uh, suicide squad and and dc in general
2: Mm -hmm.
1: now warner brothers dc movies is they're, they're too damn dark. Now, Wonder Woman, they finally learned their lesson. Wonder Woman was fun. Mm. It was quick on its feet, well-acted, and it wasn't about, you know, this all this angst and everything. I don't want angst anymore, yeah. you know? I just want to laugh. I want to be entertained,
0: you know? So you're kind of commenting on this as if, you know, like, I feel like – do you feel like this is kind of cyclical then, like as far as the comic book movie as it, as it changes and as we move forward here? Because they're not going away, folks. I mean, there are – 50, 60 comic book movies, I think, planned, you know, in the next four or five, six years. Uh, are, is this something that we're just going to see cyclical with, you know, kind of the reflection of, of how society is or, you know, like, is this something, uh, you know, we got all the dark co- comic book stuff for a while, so now we're going to start getting all this light kind of fair until that gets old and then it'll become something else. What do you kind of, What do you? where do you kind of see this going?
1: I, I Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you look at just society in general and it just we just kind of just go back and forth, one extreme to the other, politics and everything else, right? You know, it's this mm-hmm. way now, it's this way, and we're we're rarely in that sweet spot where it's just right, you know, <laughs> not too dark, not too light, kind right. of thing. Um, it's that perfect porridge, if you will. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely think that they pushed it as far as they could. I think certainly uh, Warner Brothers realized, you know, our right, look, we got to lighten up, folks. And I, I think, you know, certainly uh marvel's rose and now i mean some of the the new ones the the next um avengers series i mean it's got to get pretty dark and um but that said i mean something like guardians of the galaxy i thought was uh, especially this volume two i thought was way too soon. i wasn't a fan of the first one and i thought this other one was just like just really i mean what are you what are, what's, what are we doing here what's going on you, on, know? you didn't you didn't appreciate um, the david
0: hasselhoff uh, cameo come on Oh, oh, I forgot about it. I mean, I forgot. it. So there's
1: a point where you get like, you get too irreverent. You're too silly. um So you know you can have fun. Let's all have fun. But you know, let's it's just like your teacher was. Like, we can have fun in the class, but we need to be serious too.
0: You know, it's just like they they take the idea, they milk it, they milk it, they milk it, and then it's kind of like you, the audience is the one that ends up paying for it.
1: Yeah, and it it's. That's what the Hollywood, I mean, they have like one original idea and they just keep trying to reinvent it. And that's what it was, you know, suddenly, hey, some, a superhero film was successful. Let's all make superhero films. Yeah. Well, no, let's not. Um, and yeah, the, the same kind of thing. I, I you know, eventually this is, go, this is going to fade away. I mean, I was thinking about this. Um, think about, you know, all the, like the serials and all the popular, like the Blondie films mm. and the 30s and 40s mm-hmm. and all those things. Yep. Um, you so, know you you have you have these things that all these sequels and you know eventually people got tired of them they moved on to something else and I suspect that's that'll happen at some point I I don't know when mm-hmm. but at some point it will
0: this whole thing with you that you just mentioned too about the you know the, the idea of of rebooting or not having any fresh ideas uh for for people that don't know I did I did some digging you know these are just a couple but on on tap for you know, the next two or three years, we're gonna see uh, reboots of uh, the Crow, Time Cop, uh, Hellboy, uh, Green Lantern, Green Hornet. Uh, do you do you have a problem with these reboots? And, and because they also seem to be coming, you know, uh, sooner uh, than they used to. You know, maybe the you know I guess growing up in the eighties, nineties, maybe they would remake a movie from thirty years ago. But you know, if even take Spider-Man for example, we've now seen three versions of Spider-Man in a in in a decade.
1: Well, you know, it, it's all about money. It's all about revenue. They see these things, you know, these tent poles as like major cash cows. And um, if it, you know it doesn't work, well, then we've got to have this. You know, the shareholders demand this. You know, we, we've got to come up with another. So let's do it again. Let's recast it and get another director and you know, and, and go a different, uh, go a different direction. And, um, yeah, I, and what it's going to do is eventually it's just going to exhaust the audience at some point. Um, and we kind of saw this at the beginning of, of the summer. It's certainly picked up steam. Wonder Woman, I think actually kind of saved the summer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which is funny because there was all this concern about, you know, is she going to be successful? Well, she was hugely successful. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely, but, uh, yeah, I, I just think at some point they're just going to, you know, they're just going to kill it. They're just going to keep giving us in these reboots. We don't need another Green. It didn't work. You know, these <laughs> right. films are, if they a lot of times they don't, I don't want to see another shadow. Right. It didn't work the first time. I have no interest in seeing that they're doing it. But stop it. Just move on to other things.
0: It's crazy. I mean, this goes beyond the realm of comic books, of course, in terms of remakes, you know, but it's a whole separate issue. But but something that is kind of a newer concept, you know, is, you know, again, what I mentioned earlier the, the with the advent of Iron Man and these interconnected universes and these actors that are signing contracts, you know, based on uh the number of appearances that they'll make, you know, n- not even necessarily films that are centered on them, you know what I mean? Like I know like Samuel yeah. Jackson signed a contract to, to appear as Nick Fury over the course of 12 movies, but he didn't know what 12 they would be. He just knew that they'd stick them somewhere. Uh, things like that, I mean, it's really changing how movies are made. and then you have other things. Well, who knows now that The Mummy uh, failed, but, you know, they, Universal had tried to launch this dark universe where we were going to get, you know, the interconnected universe of all these monster movies. Uh, you have the DC universe now trying, you know, trying to create this uh, this thing with Wonder Woman and Batman v. Superman and the upcoming Justice League and Aquaman. Uh what what do you as a fan of of this sort of movie of this genre, do you do you like this interconnectivity? Do you think that this is a cool development? And and what, how do you see this, uh, I guess, growing? I, I I think
1: I I love the idea, and I still kind of do, but um, I mean it's really ambitious. And if it's done right and done well, then you know yeah it could be fantastic. Um, like the first Avengers. I mean, that was terrific. That was one of my favorite films. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite uh, superhero films, period. Sure. Um, really well done, fun. Um, and it's like this they got it right. And they've kind of, you know, back and forth sometimes uh, since then. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a great idea if you can pull it off. I, I wish, I think they need to kind of rein it in and say, okay, you know, three or four films a year, that's a bit much. Yeah. Maybe we just have a couple—one a big one in the summer, a big one in in uh, in the fall, big you know, Christmas. Um, I would and, and let's focus, let's get them right and not exhaust the audience. I think that would serve them well for a much longer period of time versus let's just seize the opportunity and just keep throwing things out there. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, well, we'll move on to something else. You know, <laughs> two months later. Um, but yeah, it's it's ambitious idea. I, I like to see it, and I, and certainly it's not going away anytime soon. I mean, this is right now. This is the thing, and, and they're going to keep doing it until eventually it just doesn't work anymore, and then someone comes up with something else.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to migrate this to, to kind of a Star Wars question. You know, so because I, I I'm kind of torn on this myself when I think about it. But like, so you have Star Wars. Obviously, the the original trilogy. Uh, Everybody was clamoring for more Star Wars uh, after Return of the Jedi. You know, everybody had just dreamed that you know that, that there would be additional Star Wars movies. I don't think the prequels are exactly what people had had dreamed up as far as what they were anticipating. But um, it, this leads into a question, though: Like, would would you rather have your Star Wars? like trilogy, like the an actual story that has a beginning, middle, and an end to it, even if it spans, you know, three, four, five films? Or, or do you like the idea that there's just Star Wars movies and they just kind of go on and on forever, kind of like a serial, you know, kind of like how comic books do, you know, the comic books just kind of keep yeah. going and going and going. Do you like the idea that there's like a self-contained story uh, or do you kind of like the idea that, you, that your favorite characters, your favorite movies are just gonna continue on with with no definite narrative?
1: Well, I mean, I mean that's the origins of it you know like you know the Buck Rogers, the Flash Gordon serial. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean you know yeah, I, 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 I like that idea. I, I think maybe Disney has learned that, they can't push this as much with Marvel. Marvel, you've had decades of characters and mm-hmm. stories to explore and bring to the big screen and all that. Star Wars, you're inventing it as you're moving along,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's a there's a big difference. And I think they've realized that that's a huge undertaking. Yes, Disney wants its $4 billion back. Well, guess what? That mm-hmm. they paid George Lucas for yeah. the, the franchise right. for the rights. They, they've more than made that. Uh, i mean that's that's not an issue anymore you got your money okay fine i know you got your standalone films i think it's curious you notice like kathleen kennedy said she was going to announce the third uh standalone film Mm -hmm. uh by june by the end of june well we're you know well into july and we still don't have it there was the whole you know issues with uh, you know the han solo uh standalone film and um so i think maybe they're really kind of rethinking things and i hope maybe they say all right let's just get back and I don't think we really need, I liked Rogue One a lot. It was a lot of fun, but I, I don't, I'd rather just focus on the main story, the, the, you know, the main characters. And yeah, I realize Luke and, and, you know, my original heroes, um, they're going to age out. Right. And you need to move on and that's great. And you need to tell new stories for, for, you know, like my daughter and, and kids and things with new heroes. And Ray is fantastic. Um, do that kind of stuff. But, Let's not keep going back and trying to. Well, what about we can explore this and what about this and what about what was Greedo's origin? I don't care. <laughs> you know, just do, just make it special again. Just do, uh, focus on a trilogy. Make us wait for it. I like that they're teasing us with the, with uh, episode seven, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, episode eight. Mm-hmm. And um, just make it kind of fun again. Make it an event. Unlike Marvel, where you're, just, you're getting all these films all the time and superhero films. You know, that's the difference between Star Wars and the comic book movies.
0: I've, I've never seen another critic so uh, excited at a screening than when I, when I walked in into uh, the Force Awakens screening that we had, which was, it was like super under wraps. Uh, we all had gotten like a secret email about it the day before that told us not even to mention it to other people that we were getting this, <laughs> this thing. And we all happened to be at a screening day that day. And I think we all got the email at the same time. And we all started kind of looking at each other and like, uh, did you just get this? and i remember walking (laughs) to the theater though and you're in the theater like the very first row like leaning forward you know there's nothing on the screen yet you're just like leaning forward you looked like you were just kind of ready to go like you know they were about to release a bull into the 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 stadium you know (laughs) at the matador or something yeah um force awakens you know i i I get the the excitement of star wars is, is is amazing uh especially how they've created this kind of like Pavlov's dog kind of thing with the opening you know the music and the graphic and it just instantly kind of brings you back into your childhood really but uh, do you like like force awakens that a lot of people argue was like a safe kind of story in a lot of ways it paralleled uh, a new hope in terms of you know the actual story. Uh, do you like like you mentioned you know kind of recreating the, these these movies uh, for for our children you know your daughter you know people to experience them growing up? Do you like that idea or do you wish that they would be more am- ambitious with what they're doing?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, they basically felt like, look, you know, George Lucas kind of screwed it up. I, I, I would argue that on paper, if you just – the story element to mm-hmm. uh, the trilogy, the, the second trilogy, the prequels, mm-hmm. um, is a really good idea. There's some a lot of really interesting concepts there and, sure. and themes and things. Um, but it was just poorly executed. He's not a good writer. I think he kind of lost interest in it. And, you know, it just, it just wasn't working for a variety of reasons. Um, and uh, so I, I, think they felt like, look, we got to just wipe the slate, slate clean. Let's get back. Yes. We're going to give them exactly what they love. And yeah, there, you know, there's so many parallels and like, wow, this and this, this, um, but it was still, it was well executed. It was a lot of fun Um and it made Star Wars a joy again. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And yeah, you're right. I I've been I was sort of been bottled because I I thought when I saw Sith that uh, in um, what 2000 uh, was it six, six yeah think, 2006 yeah. Um, that that was it. I was never going to see another Star Wars film in my life till on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Although I kind of thought at some point George Lucas would sell the franchise because yeah. he would want people keep making it because that was the goal. Right. And. So now I, it's like suddenly my dream has realized that now I, I'm never going to have that moment again. And so I was really – I remember it distinctly leaning forward and looking because I thought I'm taking this all in because this is an experience I'm only going to get once. <laughs> and I want to really savor this moment. Um, and I'll do the same when I see uh, Episode 8 in, yeah. uh, in December. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really excited I'm, in, I'm um, about the direction. I think they kind of clean the slate from what, what i'm trying to be spoiler free but it really seems like ryan johnson is doing some crazy things and uh-huh. having some fun with the friend and taking it an unexpected way uh, to unexpected twist and all this stuff and i'm excited about that so my my feeling is force awakens will be made better or made worse by the by the, the uh, episode eight and nine uh-huh. if it's uh if the series plays out as well as I hope it does, I think we're going to go back and look at Force Wickens. It was like the perfect opening. Uh-huh. If it falls apart, then we're going to say, "Ah, no, they should have done something different." You, you know, you thought it was okay, right? I and mean, it wasn't great. You were oh, Force Wickens, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and
0: yeah, I, I loved it. I was okay. Yeah, I, I, it was a positive. And what's funny too is I'm actually I, I feel kind of the same. I've been, I've been in the minority, dude. I don't know if I'm getting old, Kirk, or what's going on here, man, but uh, <laughs> I've been in the minority on, on the big uh, movies um, over the past year or two. I did not, like, was it last year, Captain America Civil War? Um, I didn't love Civil War. Like, I thought it was okay. Everybody thought that movie was amazing. And then I I'm with la- you
1: on that, I thought it was okay. Yeah,
0: and then I liked, I would totally, I'd be shocked if you agree with me here, but I actually liked X-Men Apocalypse, and then everybody else hated that movie. Uh, yeah, we're complete disagreement on that one. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, and and so Wonder Woman is a movie that uh, I liked, and I really, I really did like it. Um, but I don't think that I have like the over adoration for it that a lot of other people have kind of been pouring onto it as like you know one of the great superhero movies of all time kind of things. So, like I I don't I wouldn't go that far. Uh. But I, th- you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a, uh, uh, it was hopeful for the DC universe that, like you said, like they can inject some kind of fun in, in, in you know, into their, uh, into their films. And uh, Gal Gadot, I thought was, you know, fantastic, like a star is born kind of a thing. And I'll lead into a little something else we're going to talk about before we go to is uh, the movies coming out this week. One of which is uh, Dunkirk, coming out, which uh, we'll talk about. But I'm in the, in the same boat, uh, no pun intended. I'm in the same boat there because uh, I liked it. I I, I appreciate it, but I, I'm not over the moon like everybody else seems to be with all the early reviews that have been pouring in.
1: I I am absolutely over the moon with that. <laughs> I thought it was just just astonishing and just brilliant. And on on technical levels, on just the film levels, on emotional levels, I just I love the film. It was like it was a perfect marriage of of Nolan, Christopher Nolan's. Spielberg tendencies with this kind of uh, new discovery of a new awakening of like Terrence Malick, Mm. and he just he he found that way to kind of bridge between this guy who makes these you know wonderfully entertaining films or used to you know but for this perfect mass audience entertainment with somebody who's just very no we don't need to talk here let's just show a river Mm. (laughs) you know for for 30 minutes or whatever it is this this kind of wordless dialogue. And I just thought, um, yeah, I, I, just let it, but I mean, you know, that said, uh, I was telling somebody about it and I was just going on and on about it, but I said, you know what, you'll see it. You'll probably think that yeah, was good. I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> so he,
0: he's a ama- He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Nolan, I think obviously is one of the best, you know, most exciting, uh, filmmakers around at the moment. I think clearly, uh, The same thing happened though with uh, Paul Anderson or Paul T Anderson. I I feel like Mm -hmm. with uh, the Master and things like that. I I think at a a certain point when you have had such a great run of films, I think that there's like a kind of a like a hero worship kind of thing that starts happening where people like the film uh, before you know without even really taking it because they know that it's this guy's latest film. Do you know what I mean? So I I feel like yeah. you you know they can't do no they can't do wrong no matter what they put out or what film they do you know it's just it's oh my god well you you know like Pete D. Anderson is like now to the point where, uh, you either like and love and, and appreciate his work or if you don't you just don't get it <laughs> do you know what I mean like it, yeah well, it is our yeah exactly I I think Nolan is to that point too where you know he's done such amazing different uh incredible work uh you know innovative work as a director and then i you know so i think that there's a little bit of that but that's not not to take anything away the, the thing i also like about it is is i i was reading about it that it again the majority of the film is all practical effects and you know, i that's how nolan works he likes to he doesn't like to use a ton of cg and to imagine that those air, airplane scenes were not completely digital uh it blows my mind
1: oh absolutely i and he's you know, what I thought was interesting when I was writing my review of Dunkirk, because um, I, I, I'd, I'd written a column uh, last year or something or maybe a couple of years ago comparing Nolan to kind of Spielberg and, you know, yeah. and everything. And uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Spielberg was 47 when Senor's List was, was released. Oh, wow. uh, he either just turned 47 or something. Christopher Nolan will turn 47 at the end of this month, at the end of July. Um, and to me, it's like that Dunkirk was kind of his hmm. – uh, his move into kind of more of adult cinema, not sure. bad adult cinema. But, you know, I mean, sort of like, you know, I've gotten all this stuff out, you know, it, this kind of youthful cinema, this movies that, you know, that uh, I responded to these kinds of films that as a kid. And now I'm moving on and doing these other things. Um And, yeah you know, with, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I mean, yeah, I mean, Inherent in in Vice, uh, there are parts of what I loved. I was like, I, I like the idea. And sometimes you gotta have that as a director. You mm-hmm. just, if the really good ones, you know you just push yourself and you're just like you know what i don't know if this is going to work but i need to do it uh because it'll help me you know i'll learn from my failures and so maybe not the next film or the next one down the road or even the second one but it's somewhere i'll come back to something like this that didn't work and make it work and that film will be fantastic
2: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i totally agree and uh I lied and said we're going to wait to talk about Dunkirk, but let's just keep talking about it while we're while we're on the subject. (laughs) Uh, So, so, you know, uh, the other thing about the movie, I I guess before I even get into that, you mentioned the technical aspects and and things like that and and, uh, the emotional uh, impact that it had. Uh, What other kinds of things uh, about it would it, you know, are what makes you over the moon with it?
1: What I, the few things that I thought when I was watching the film, one was just how the characters all just bled into one. Mm. You you really couldn't. Somebody was asking me like, how how's Harry Styles, and I'm like, well, if I hadn't known he was in there, I wouldn't have known it was him. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't really know anybody. I mean, even the people you know in the film, they're just they're just there, just just guys. It's all just one big mass yeah. of frightened people who are desperate and. Um, I thought that was terrific. I, I loved how he just, the economy of words and, you know, hey, we, let's not have somebody say something. Let's just show mm. this. And we can show it with, through their faces and, you know, the, the grim looks and how their posture, how they're beaten down or whatever it is. I love that. I loved Hans Zimmer's score and just, oh, it reminded yeah. me of Jaws.
0: Unbelievable. And that,
1: you know, that, that simple two little notes. And it was just like that little buzz mm. that was just, it, it just was unrelenting, and it just kept just, – it was almost like a, a, an assault on your senses because you knew something was going to happen, and it just kept on and on and on, yeah. and it kept you just on the edge of your seats. And and the other thing I, I, I thought about the end, and I hope I'm right on this, is you don't see any Germans wow. until, the, until literally the end of the film. And at the end of the film, the two Germans – I'm not giving them away – their faces are kind of obscured. They're kind of blurred. So and then, the whole point of this is that the Germans really aren't the enemy here. Right. It's it's death. It's fear, and they're just a conduit of that. And I was like, this is just again. Maybe I'm just being a critic and going really, way too much into it. But I thought <laughs> this is
0: just absolutely amazing. You said you're a video game guy. You know what? The part of Dunkirk reminded me of if you were like playing like an RPG. Like you know, and I, I don't play video games anymore. But like I was huge into it. You know, in the 80s, 90s. Uh, But, like, Uh back then, like, I remember, like, if you were, like, just, you know, you could, like, let's say you're walking around, you know, an area and you would, like, you know, randomly hit a monster and then you'd have to fight it and then you'd defeat it. And then if you just wander around, and then randomly like a new monster would just kind of appear there, right? And you have to like kind of keep. <laughs> That's what this movie reminded me of. Is kind of like just when they get rid of the one pesky thing that was kind of attacking them, you know, like ten minutes of of calm will happen, and then all of a sudden here is something else that kind of just comes out of the really the absolute nowhere, you know, like it just kind of was this yeah this this uh this this gloom uh this threat that was kind of just hanging over all of them uh. I really like some of the mood and that sort of thing. I totally agree with you too. You know, you have you have big stars in this movie like Tom Hardy and and Mark Rylance who just won an Oscar, but this movie is too, they're too busy to to let you know that they're movie stars in this movie. You know what I mean? That are yeah. <laughs> there's too much danger and they have too much work to do as characters to kind of even bother with establishing them uh, or who they are really, you know, you kind of get to know all you need to know about them uh, through their actions. Like you said, instead of like words and things like that, it's very unique in that way.
1: Yeah. And, and like Mark Rylance, I just love him. He is such a great actor and he's so Mm -hmm. understated in this role as this, you know, father who's willing to sacrifice anything for the good of the country Mm -hmm. and, and how he's just, you know, unflappable and, and just so even, which is a, what we kind of see in Mark. I mean, he's perfect in that role. And Tom Hardy is terrific as that, that pilot who's, you know, again, willing to do anything sacrifice. And, you know, you really got that. In, you know, that is such a, a strong theme is in the film is that sacrifice. And you really, again, not to look too much inward, you know, to now, but I mean, it, it, in a way, I wonder if he's kind of sort of presenting this to now it's like, you know, and I've heard other people talk about this, about the greatest generation and, the sacrifices they were willing to make uh you know for the good of of the country and, and our success in the war that kind of thing compare it to now and you know it's you don't see that anymore you just see like well you know i now i have to wait in line gas has gone up 10 cents or whatever it is <laughs> right that people are complaining yeah,
0: absolutely about. and it was just
1: kind of it was just a nice kind of reminder of, again of of what people you know long ago used to do not that long ago used to do and Maybe hopefully we get back to that again.
0: And interestingly, he, he he doesn't even refer to this movie as a war a war film. Um, which if you think about it, you know it's it's more of a like you said earlier, like, it's just a story of survival. It's about this isn't the typical uh, war movie. I mean, it really isn't. It, it has a lot of differences. Some of the things that threw me out of the movie, though, to be honest, were, you know, uh he does some tricks here with uh, kind of like linear story storytelling again, you know, like we're used to with, from Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan, like all the way back to Memento uh, where, you know, some things happen out of sequence in this movie and and some things you see kind of uh, from different perspectives at different times in the movie. And that's all I could think of though. When those were happening, it was kind of like the J.J. Abrams, like lens flare, you know, or the, like the, 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 signature, uh token moves that some other directors do like when i started seeing him doing that again i was kind of like oh i was like reminded of christopher nolan being the director of this movie and i didn't want to be reminded of that in the middle of this story
1: interesting yeah no, and it it kind of caught me off guard and you know especially at the beginning when, when they when they each scene and they say you know whatever you know dunkirk beach or whatever or one week yeah and then you know whatever and then jump to something one day or one hour and then It was like, okay, how is this all going to come together? And then Mm -hmm. it it did, and it all all made sense. Um, You know, he challenges, and that's what I love about him. He's Mm a filmmaker who makes these huge blockbusters. I mean, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions, and yet he challenges the viewers. It's not just like just serving up, you know, serving up crap like so many other directors, like the Transformers films and stuff. He really says, you know, like, look, these are – these are audiences are smart. They can do this. They'll, they'll come along the journey. They'll figure this out. Um, and that's something that, there, there aren't many filmmakers willing to take those chances, especially now with, you know, these big films and things. And I, I really maybe, and that's another reason I, I applaud the film is I like that. He's taking such a chance. I feel like he's taking chances and risk with this film um, and doing it. And i making it almost an effortless uh, in an effortless way now, but I see your point. That how that can be kind of jarring and, and remove you from the audience because you become self, you know, become more aware of him as a filmmaker. So,
0: I wanted to mention one other thing just because I like talking, you know, because I'm such a comic book uh, advocate. Uh, you know, the, a uh, lot of movies too over the years, people don't realize uh, are comic book movies. You know, because people think of like superheroes when they think of comic books, but people don't know that movies like. Uh, you know, uh, Weird Science uh, was based on a comic book. Uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl from a couple years ago with Bell who was who's uh, pretty amazing up and comer. I don't. Did you see that Diary mm-hmm. of a Teenage Girl? Yeah. Uh, yes. Her-
1: yes, that was fantastic.
0: Yep. Big Hero Six, uh, History of Violence. Uh, you know, V for Vendetta. Even earlier this year, there's a small film called Wilson with Woody Harrelson. And then, of course, uh, Kingsman. There's a sequel coming out to that movie. The Secret Service was was a comic book. Uh did, were you a Kingsman fan?
1: Yeah, I did. I did like it. I did enjoy it. And um again, you know, just it, it's kind of nice to have something that's where it's a different take, you know, a different kind of comic book where it's not superheroes and men and women in tights that kind of thing. Um <laughs> so yeah, I am all um you know so I mean if it's a good story, it's a good story. It doesn't matter if it's a comic book, if it's a novel, it's a you know Someone's scribblings or something yes. like that. I mean, you know, if it works, it works.
0: And I wanted, I you know, just to go off of this too. I had dug up. Uh, Maxim magazine had come out with a uh, with the top twenty of uh, best comic book movies of all time. What are some movies that you would be very shocked are not on this list?
1: Uh, well, I, I got to think the Dark Knight was on there. Okay. Um, I would not. I, hmm, that are
0: not on this list. You, um you mentioned Superman earlier I, like would you be mad if that movie is not uh, I, I would I would be
1: I would be I would be furious if Superman <laughs> is not on there.
0: Well rest assured that it is. Um okay. The Dark Knight they actually have as the number 2 movie on this list. Uh they list Superman as number the Avengers? 4. Avengers number 1? Uh they have Avengers Superman, on Dark this and... list. Uh yeah, so Dark Knight is 2, Superman is 4, Avengers they have on this list it comes in at 7. They list. Hmm. I'll go through this, uh, and, and you can just maybe comment on just any of these movies if you if, you know tell me some things what you think or whatnot of this list. But yeah, the number okay. one movie that uh, according to Max Magazine best comic book movie of all time, they list as Iron Man.
1: Okay, I was actually going to say I wonder if it's Iron Man. <laughs>
0: um, I wouldn't have it as number one,
1: but you know it true, and it, it, it's and giving its important given its importance. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense. I don't, you can make an argument for it, and, I, you know, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, and so. I think in their explanation of it, they did list because of what it created, you know, in this new kind of universe mentality. That's what they feel like it's an important movie, I guess, is, you know, more than maybe the yeah. best. Uh, but, yeah, number two is Dark Knight. Uh, number three on the list comes in is uh, Spider-Man 2, the Raimi film. Uh, mm, yeah. Superman is four. They give Logan number five on this list.
1: Oh no! No, it, it, one—it's way
0: too early. The film's only been out. You're saying already it's number five?
1: How book of all time, and it's been out what five months?
0: I totally agree with no, this list. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, this list yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> Next. Okay, that, this might—that might have been why I pulled this list. Okay, I'll be honest. Uh, number six, uh, Men in Black. It's one
1: of those, yeah, that you forget. I mean, I knew it was a comic book, movie, you know, adaptation, but you sometimes you just forget it. And, and you, it's a movie that you forget about. Mhm. Sure. You know. You don't think about it anymore. Well, I heard that they might um, be a crossover okay.
0: with the, the 21 Jump Street franchise in Men in Black. You heard about this?
1: God, I you know, <laughs> haven't we suffered enough? <laughs> it, no, just stop it. No. Uh, man. Let's, let's not incite the
0: apocalypse. <laughs> number seven is uh, The Avengers. Uh, number eight, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Number...
1: i would differ on that but okay
0: okay no, number nine they have uh and this is the highest rated x-men film they have on this list and in fact it's the only x-men film on this list and it's uh x-men days of future past
1: yeah and i would actually have that up much higher because i loved that film
0: i love that movie loved it and i actually think first class was was an awesome movie like maybe one of the best oh, X-Men. So did I. oh yeah and that doesn't appear here at all uh but no, then...
1: no, but Days of Future Past, I could, I would put in my top five, maybe top three or four,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, I and I would agree with you. Uh, let's see, rounding out the, what do let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah, rounding out the top ten. I totally disagree with this. We talked about this already a little bit. Was uh, Captain America: Civil War.
1: Yeah, overrated. No, I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't love it.
0: Number eleven, I also disagree with. Uh, number eleven, they have Doctor Strange.
1: I like that. I did. I did like that a lot. I wouldn't put it that high though. No.
0: Okay. Uh, Twelve is uh, Batman Begins.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: where did you fall on Deadpool? Deadpool we got at number thirteen.
1: I like Dead. I like the first 30, 40 minutes of Deadpool, <laughs> and then it's like you know, it's like sitcoms are a half hour or actually less than that for a reason, <laughs> because you know, you just at some point you just get tired of them, and sure. that's at some point I was like, okay, I get the shtick. Yeah, it's not funny anymore, you know. Um, for that first half hour, I was like, "This is great, I'm loving it," and then it's like, "Okay, it's time to go home. The party's over. Get out."
0: Yeah, well, um, there's more but, of a Deadpool. Yeah, coming. and that's that's number fourteen, The Crow. Brendan mm. Brendan Lee. Okay, yeah, day. I would put it. Yeah, that's a good yeah.
1: Movie. No, good good call.
0: Uh, another good movie, uh, Hellboy, with uh, Ron Perlman back in the day. I don't know how old that movie mm-hmm. is now, what, 10, 15 years maybe. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good, a good call on it. Road to Perdition, based on the oh, comic book. Oh, I love punk. that movie. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of people know that, but that's a great yeah. movie. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. One of my all-time favorites. <laughs> love that movie. Classic video games and all that. Yeah, oh, no. Unique, very, very unique <laughs> film. Uh, and then rounding out the list, the last three on here, they have uh, Dick Tracy, uh, <laughs> oh <my> gosh, what? <laughs> Dread, uh, oh god, no. not not Judge Dread, but the, the latest Dread version that I think is like four or five yeah. years old now. And uh, number 20 on the list is Sin City.
1: Oh, god, no, I uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, and what Tank Girl, they didn't get Tank Girl on
0: there. Um, uh, <laughs> So yeah, what? Yeah, so so they're saying yeah, Dick Tracy, Dread, and Sin City better than every X Men film other than Days of Futures Past, uh, better than pretty much every other Marvel movie ever made.
1: What um, that is is some critic trying to show, like, look at me. I'm going to make a reference to something that nobody's going to know, you know, like, oh, oh, you know, or like some obscure Japanese film, you know, that was made in somebody's garage and only three people have seen. Um, yeah, Dick Tracy. What do you remember about Dick Tracy? That he that Warren Beatty was dating Madonna and that she sang the song.
0: I remember that. I, mean, it, I think it was McDonald's or Burger King like came out with like the themed like cups and stuff like that, and like they had the toys and stuff. Yeah. I was like that age when Dick Tracy came out. And I'm a huge Al Pacino fan, so I owned a Dick Tracy on VHS just but just because it was filling out my uh, – not out of love for the movie, but just because it was filling out my Pacino collection.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I, I – no, Dick
1: Tracy does not deserve to be on um, – you know, I – yeah,
0: okay. Well, let's be thankful that no. there is not a Dick Tracy remake in the works, so there's at least one franchise they're leaving. They're leaving it alone.
1: Somebody somewhere learned their lesson with that one. So <laughs> Well we can all be thankful, yep.
0: While I have you on here, too, Kirk, uh, which I really appreciate you going going through all this with, with me here, but uh, while I have you on here, too, you know, comic books aside, um, you know, we're just over halfway through 2017 now, hard to believe. But uh, I wanted to ask you uh, – what what sticks out this year? You, know, you mentioned Dunkirk, but what other movies are on your, your radar as as best of, you know, so far this year?
1: Uh you know, it's funny, like especially the summer, I remember more of the ones that I didn't like. Like okay. like the mummy. Yeah. And just how painful that was. See what's and funny, I like the mummy. Isn't that crazy?
0: Everybody. I like the mummy. I'm like the only guy on the planet I thought it was okay.
1: <laughs> you and Tom Cruise as accountants. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I, yeah, I can't. Oh, yeah, no, I just, I, I mean, I, I, really felt bad for Tom Cruise and and Russell Crowe. It's like, oh, come on, guys, really? This, yeah, Doctor no. Jekyll and Mister um, Hyde,
0: man, come on, dude. We haven't seen that character in quite a while.
1: Did you ever see the comedy, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Jive?
0: No, I don't Dr. think Hechel I. Doctor Jekyll
1: and Mister Jive. yeah it was uh it was one of those really bad like almost straight to to, almost not skinamax but cinemax uh in the 80s and it was like yeah this doctor becomes you know and whatever and it's just an excuse for women to take off their tops and (laughs) and it's just like really he's he's snorting coke and it's just like god this is just horrible as a kid i was like oh it's kind of funny and (laughs) <laughs> you know, sometimes I want to build a time machine to go back and just slap me as a kid. Like, no, stop watching this.
0: Well, if it was go on Cinemax after dark in the '80s or '90s, I probably have seen it and I just don't remember. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, what else did you hate? Like, what, what about summer blockbusters? Were you? Did you like? Uh, did how about Kong? Did you like Kong this summer? No. No. Not a Kong fan. Okay. I
1: uh, no, and I, and I love King Kong. I love the original. And I, you know, the '76 version is okay. It's got some moments, um, but yeah, this one, no. Again, just trying too hard, and again, you know, it just. Uh, and and the thing I don't understand about this, okay, so eventually we are going to have Kong Godzilla meets Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in this movie, how tall is Kong? He's what, uh, maybe 100 feet tall, 200? He's not nearly as tall as Godzilla. <laughs> That's. I mean, seriously. So, yep. you know, and it's at least with the Japanese when they had him. You know, they took Kong, like, oh, we can just make him much bigger. You know, nobody cares. But now you're actually building this universe, and you're going to have a much shorter Kong. Is he suddenly going to grow tall to face Godzilla?
0: You know, it'll probably be, uh, yeah. I remember a movie called, uh, oh, man, I uh, forget who was in it. I think, I want to say Sean Connery was in it. Do you remember a movie called Dragonheart from, like, the 90s? Yes. And yeah, that, I remember that movie, played. for that specific reason, the dragon in some scenes would be, like, bigger than the castle, and then, like, then he'd be, like, walking next to the guy and, like, talking to him. <laughs> like, his yeah. his size, like, drastically <laughs> changed, like, throughout the course of the movie with, without reason. And It, it was pretty, pretty remarkable, but maybe they'll do something like that where they'll just figure we won't mind that Kong grows and shrinks depending on uh, <laughs> if the scene's intimate or not.
1: Yeah, he'll get struck by lightning and grow really tall. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, the powers
0: wear off. They'll shrink down. They'll explain it. Yeah, they'll, they'll explain oh, it off. God. I'm sure. So, <laughs> what else? Uh, in terms of that, I don't know what else uh, I can think of. Oh, what did you think of Apes? That just came out last weekend. That was a big uh, box, oh, box office yes. movie. Oh, yeah. I'd already forgotten about Apes. I, I loved it. Yeah,
1: I I absolutely loved it. Um, what what a way to 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 conclude a trilogy. I mean, it just, each installment got better. Mm-hmm. And this one, it was just fantastic. And again, Woody Harrelson, what a terrific performance. I agree. Um, yeah, it's Marlon Brando and stuff all over. But I don't care. I really, I loved it. And, you know, Andy Circus. I mean, my God, he's just so good. And I, you know, I, if he doesn't at least get a nomination for this, something is, I mean, yeah, there may be some, but at least consideration. No more like, well, he's not really performing. The hell he is. It's a fantastic performance. I think you know? that they have to wrap no, their
0: head, not... yeah, around it. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. That, that I like the movie a lot, uh, but Andy Serkis, especially. I mean, it's not even a question. Like a couple years ago, there was talk, you know, like with the first movie, like they should give him an honorary Oscar for motion capture. Forget honorary. Like this guy deserves like best actor consideration. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, he is so good. And it, it, it basically, if you removed the CGI. There would be no question. Of course, it it wouldn't have been about eights,
0: but uh,
1: it would have been no question that, you know, like, yeah, this guy is definitely going to be in consideration. Um, Hopefully, they'll move past that and say, okay, look, you know, we're 2017. Mm -hmm. Let's start to kind of factor in other things. You know, a performance, a great performance is a great performance. You know, that's what matters.
0: I I totally agree with that. And if if he doesn't get nominated, it's probably just, again, yeah, like you said, it's because it's not traditional and or it might be also cuz the the CG in this movie too uh you know in in a world of movies like Valerian which again you know complete piece of shit but in a movie in a movie you know in a in a world with all of these you know CG dominates everything uh play, this last you know war for the planet of the apes is one of the most exceptional i think special effects movies that uh, that's ever been made i really feel that way the, just the the entire the epic scope of it the amount of things that are happening on screen the the fact that there's all these scenes that are emotionally you know weighty scenes between you know two apes you know <laughs> that are signing to one another um and and if you consider that yeah. there's human performances underneath there that's what i think people will miss you know maybe a lot of people if, if Andy circus doesn't get nominated it's probably because people don't really realize how much of him is in this character
1: yeah no you're right and you know, in, in an era where CGI is a substitute for substance, mm-hmm. for for dialogue, for plot, for, you know, acting, whatever it is, um, in part because, you know, uh, you know, CGI doesn't require subtitles. So, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the foreign markets, you know, they, mm-hmm. they can all see it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's you've got a film that does rely on CGI, but does it the right way. And it's not the film it's it's it, uh, it enhances the film.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, it it changes the performance slightly because now you're seeing an ape as opposed to a person being an ape, but um, it, it just all of that it just it made it added to the film just like like you know, like maybe you put a little salt and pepper on something to give it a little bit of the extra. Mm-hmm. kick. but it's the it's what's underneath, There's all the greatness, all the great food underneath, that's what matters. Um so yeah, I, I just I I can't believe I forgot about War for a Fantastic film. Well, fantastic.
0: we've gone off on a lot of tangents here on this podcast, uh, but I, I just love talking talking movies with you, man. Uh, uh, I, I do appreciate you joining me on this thing. Tell the nice people where they can uh, find you. Uh, you know, if they were interested in checking some of your stuff out.
1: Uh, you can uh, read my work on the Toledo Blade at toledoblade.com. Um, I, I have a Twitter account. I haven't tweeted in probably like three years. Um, I'm horrible. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get back into that. I'm trying to like, do I really need to? I should. Uh, so there's no reason to follow me because there's nothing to follow at this point. Um, but, yeah, just check out my work on, on toledoblade.com. And, you know, feel free to, you know, email me your thoughts, you know, whether you like it, dislike it, and, you know, feel free to call me names because God knows I've had lots of people do that already. So,
0: <laughs> And a happy belated birthday to you, man, too. I know that your birthday was yesterday.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm real excited. You know, it's always nice to be 21 again.
0: So. <laughs> again this year, huh? For the 20th time, right? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, no,
1: no, yeah, no, but thanks. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Uh, I didn't go see a movie, so that was kind of refreshing. So, <laughs>
0: Well, cool, man. Well, Kirk, again, thank you very much. Uh, Everybody, you've been listening to the Film Survivor Podcast, and uh, we appreciate you, and we will uh, talk to you next time. Thanks for having me. So that'll do it for this uh, week's edition of the Film Survivor Podcast. I want to thank uh, Kirk Baird for joining me today. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening, uh, and please stick around. we got a lot of cool stuff next week is the huge red carpet uh, premiere event of the film Detroit. Uh, I'm from Detroit, and so (laughs) this uh, is going to be a big one here in Detroit. They're rolling out the red carpet like they pretty much haven't for any movie since I've been a critic, which means about the last eight years or so. So uh, it's going to be a big deal, but we're going to talk all about Detroit next week. Uh, The week after that, I have an interview coming up with uh, the director of a new documentary called Step. Step. Uh, Amanda Lippitz, I'll be chatting with her about her film, uh, which is about an inner city group of, uh, uh, in Baltimore, uh, women who, you know, start like basically get into like a dance club and it's very inspirational and, uh, real to life. And, uh, that'll be a good one too. So lots of things lined up here on the Film Survivor Podcast. As always, I encourage you to, uh, uh follow me on Twitter at Tom Santilli, you can find uh, all of my stuff there as I retweet everything out, but I am the National Film Critic for access.com. That's A-X-S dot com. You can also go to TomSantilly.com. If you're a Survivor fan, don't worry. We got you covered there, too. Uh, as you know, people who follow me on a regular basis know that I also cover Survivor. We have a new season coming up in September, and sometime in August we're going to be uh, doing like a cast uh breakdown as once they introduce and, and reveal the new cast of the new season uh i'll be joined by somebody uh in the survivor world uh to chat about that when that comes out so anyway lots of coming up on on the docket thanks for listening we will talk to you next week